0: talking about when we talk about the heart? What are we singing about when we sing about the heart? There's no shortage of songs that address the heart. We found out uh, this week that that's just the tip of the iceberg. More to come. No shortage of sayings having to do with your heart. Am I right? You're Uh, being asked to get down to the heart of the matter. You're being asked, what is your heart on this issue? Culture is telling you to follow your heart, that true happiness is found only when you follow your heart. If you're trying to figure out what you're going to do with your life, people are asking you, well, what's in your heart uh, to do, right? The church is asking you to ask Jesus into your heart so that you can get a new heart, or that, so that you can uh, change your heart. Your grandma, when you help her with her yard, and you run her electric weed eater, is saying, bless your little heart. No shortage of songs, no shortage of sayings, but what are we saying? What are we uh, singing about? Um, we're always talking about the heart, Here at Radiant, stressing the importance of the heart, and that is because uh, the Bible is always talking about the heart and stressing the importance of the heart. We didn't come up with it, we just caught it. We've picked up on something as we've read our Bibles. The Bible's the Bibles. If you have multiple, which I do. The Bible is always talking um, and reminding you of of things. Things like that God looks on what? The The heart. God speaks to our hearts, right? God reveals things to our hearts. He cleanses our hearts. What the heck is that? He tears down walls in our hearts. Have you ever heard somebody say that? I just had a wall in my heart. It was like, what are you talking about? Like if I open you up, is there a wall in your guts? We ask God to do things like open the eyes of our hearts. Have you ever sang that? Open the eyes of my heart. We know, we know this firsthand that you can have a hard heart a heart of stone. We know that things break the heart of God. Things can grieve the heart of God. So we know, we all know, we might not know exactly what we're talking about, but we know we're talking about something more than a vital organ. It is that, but it's so much more than that for us. There's a lot of layers to the subject of the heart, And for the next six weeks, for the next six weeks leading up to Easter, we're going to be addressing matters of the heart. We're going to be addressing the issues of the heart. We're going to be addressing things that are pertaining to the heart. I'm super excited about this um, personally. I often preach messages uh, that I need to hear. And uh, this is very uh, personal for me. I often study subjects that I suck at. That's why I preach sometimes is because I need to hear it uh, more than you do. So I'm coming humbly, asking you to consider the things that I'm considering, asking you to um, follow me as I follow Christ. I've been considering some things I, I've been struck in the last four, uh, five weeks with the importance of the heart. The place um, that it's given in a Scripture, and the things in particular that Jesus had to say about the heart. I've been struck by the words of Jesus and have been finding myself thinking, like, I should pay attention to what's going on on the inside. I should tune in to what's going on uh, in my heart. Jesus always brought it back to the heart. Have you noticed that as you've read his words? Always bringing it back to the heart of the matter, always boiling things down, always um, bringing things back to the source, back to the root, back to the place where real change can happen and problems can really be dealt with. Every sermon seems to be this state of the heart address. Everyone wants to get mixed up and, you know, they want to argue over things. And then Jesus steps in and he always brings things back to the heart of the matter, right always simplifying things by asking people to pay attention to what's going on on the inside let me let me show you what i'm talking about because i was struck by jesus and he seemed to be saying to me as i was reading his sermons that every problem is a heart problem that every issue is a heart issue He said that out of the overflow of your heart, your mouth speaks. That means you don't have a problem with gossip. That means you don't have a problem with slander. Your issue is not a foul mouth. Your issue is a foul heart. But we spend so much time, right, trying to clean up our language Try not to use words like that. Kids pick up on everything. (sighs) I got to watch my mouth. I got to watch my health. No, Jesus would say, You've got to watch your heart. Out of the overflow of your heart, your mouth speaks. You don't have a problem with your mouth, you have a problem with your heart. And until you deal with the heart, it's just behavior modification. He said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That what you do and don't do with money is just a reflection of your heart. So you don't have a money problem. You don't have a debt problem. You don't have a spending problem. You have a heart problem. Right? But we're always addressing this in the church, your generosity. It has nothing to do with money. It has to do with your heart. That's why God's after your money. Because he's after your heart. That's why Jesus talked about it constantly. Well, the church always talks about money, not as much as Jesus, your homeboy, He's the guy talking about it. You're the guy ignoring him. Matthew 5, 27, and 28. This one's brutal. You have heard that it was said, You shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. That means that you don't have a problem with your eyes. You don't have a problem with lust. You don't have a problem with porn. You have a heart condition. Every problem seems to be a heart problem with Jesus. The good news is is that He didn't just come to tell us that we've got a heart condition or heart problem. He came to give us new hearts he came to put his spirit within us to change us on the inside not to not to just put pressure on us to change our behavior but to renew us on the inside so that what flows out is life listen to this one Jesus was just killing it this week as i read the bible he called people, this is just, it's just genius. This is the genius of Jesus. This is the brilliance of Jesus. Nobody talks like this guy. He called the people to him, and he said to me, hear me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him. But the things that come out of a person are what defile him. Just let that sink in for a sec. do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him? Since it enters not his heart, but his stomach, and is expelled. Thus, he declared all foods clean. And he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within... Out of the heart of man come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. The context of this is that Jesus is talking to some religious leaders who are asking questions about diet. What can and can't we eat? And Jesus goes, hear me. In fact, hear me, all of you. It's not what goes into a man that is the problem. It's what comes out of man that is the problem. Revolutionary. That's not the issue. What, you know, because for the religious, this is what they believed, Right? The religious believed, I'm all good in here. And the problem is out there. So if I can just stay away from what's going on out there, I can keep it all good in here. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. The issue is not out there. The issue is in here. It's what comes out of a man that defiles him, not what comes in. Religious people still think this way. I'm all good. I'm all good. The issue is out there, and if I can separate myself, distinguish myself from what's going on out there, then I can preserve what's all good in here. Right? I'm all good. I'm all good. It's out there. It's The failed economic policies of Barack Hussein Obama It's the government. It's my wife. I can't stand it when she does this. It's my mom. She's losing it. It's that guy who's driving that way. It's all out there. And if they would just leave me alone, then I would be all good in here. As churches, we often address behavior, right? And as people, we want to change the way we behave. And what Jesus is saying is you can't change the way you behave without addressing the heart. Because all of life, what you say, what you do, how you act, your life flows from the inside out, not the outside in. Nobody made you do it. I also am very excited about this series because I felt arrested by this um, passage. You ever read your Bible and then feel like a passage like punched you in the nose? Like you're looking at the book and you're just reading, and then all of a sudden a passage is just like, <sighs> you know, you're like trying to shake it off, but your eyes are getting blurry. You feel like you're gonna cry. Ah, I got punched. Before I read this passage, I want you to know the context of this, which I think makes it even sweeter. This is a father speaking to a son. This is this is wisdom being passed down. This is a man after a lot of years of life wanting to tell you what's important. This is a father saying, son, this is how life works. This is what's important. Hear, O sons, a father's instruction, and be attentive that you may gain insight. That's how this chapter begins. Hear, O sons, a father's instruction. Don't be stupid. Be attentive that you may gain insight. Then later on in Proverbs chapter 4, it says, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it, Flow the springs of life. Keep your heart with all vigilance. Some of your texts say guard your heart, some of your translations say watch over. But the idea here is protect your heart. The original language actually says more than all vigilance, more than all vigilance, more than all keeping, keep your heart. More than all guarding, guard your heart, for from it flow the springs of life. Guard your heart most, keep your heart most, with all vigilance, with, with all, with all you've got, watch over and keep your heart, for from it flow the springs of life. Of life. What an amazing picture. What a fantastic picture we're given. This charge is for me, uh, but I believe that it might be for you too. I don't keep anything very well. I am currently driving Mark Condy's truck. Mark and I traded cars. Uh, because I've been doing some construction and hauling some things to the dump. And so he's got a really uh, sweet truck. So I gave him my pilot, uh, which, <laughs> which he is now carrying a can of Febreze around <laughs> in. And every time he gets in my pilot, he just sounds the Febreze off and makes his way down uh, the road. Mark's truck... Around the license plate frame, it literally says mint condition. I will never own a vehicle that has a license plate frame that says mint condition. This was the text that I sent to Mark. Mark, if you saw your truck right now, you would C-wrap your pants. Mark doesn't say crap. That's how holy he is. (laughs) You would C-wrap your pants. The floor is just... I got Avery out of the truck to drop her off at school and, you know, water and Mountain Dew bottles fell out of the... Of the car. There's coffee down there because I haven't kept a normal sleep pattern for quite some time. I will never own anything that says mint condition on it. It's not just uh, vehicles that I don't keep. Um, I don't keep my mouth shut very well. I don't keep my mouth very well, actually, either. I, I, I don't know if you guys have experienced this, but <coughs> I had so- something going on. And I had a tooth break. I knew it broke. And so what did I do? The other side. I just started chewing on the other side. <laughs> and I chewed on the other side for over a year. And then I started to experience some pain when I would drink things that were cold or things that were hot. And because nothing can stand in the way, of my consumption of soda and coffee, because I haven't kept a good sleep pattern for a while, I finally make my way into the dentist. And he says, hey, listen, man, you need a root canal. You should have been here a year and a half and we would have been able to deal with this, right? So, that, so that's all it's hyped up to be. A root canal. <laughs> That's the real deal. And, you know, because you... Come on, everyone's judging like you haven't chewed on the other side because you don't have the time or the money to take care of it. So you got a root canal, so hey, let's deal with it. And, that, and so we dealt with it. And when I, I finally got my, my crown put in over the tooth, it was too tall. But I just thought, maybe this is the way like a normal tooth feels in that spot. Do you know what I'm saying? Like I just thought, maybe I'm just not used to a tooth there because it's been broken in half for so long. And so I left the dentist office with a crown that's too tall and I changed the way that I was biting. And I didn't know this stuff was such a big deal Um, I came to church the next day because it was the first uh, day we were here in this building and if you remember I led worship sang my brains out with a jaw that wasn't necessarily in uh, its typical pattern and then I wake up on Monday morning and I'm having a hard time opening my mouth so I go back into the dentist and I say listen um I can't, actually, that's not even true. I then didn't didn't have the time and didn't want to go back into the dentist. And so even with a mouth that was not opening, I was trying to shove food in it. You know, like this. And I'm sitting around, I'm sitting around, Uh, with Tiff in the hospital because Ruby's born and she's watching me eat the hospital food what's more painful than eating hospital food eating hospital food when your mouth won't open and so she's watching me eat and she's like you've got to go to the dentist please go to the dentist I can't watch this so I left the hospital and I went to the dentist and I was like hey look I can't open my mouth and it seems to be getting worse right And he explains to me how my jaw works. It's pretty fascinating, actually. And and then he gives me some TMJ exercises. Except for those exercises, I'm supposed to do three times a day, and they take 20 minutes with a heat sock. And I'm in the middle of construction on a house, and I'm like, I'm probably not going to do that. Probably not going to sit around with a neck sock around my jaw while these construction guys laugh at me for being a wuss. That's probably not going to happen. So I don't take the time to tend to what's going on. I continue to neglect what is going on, and all the while, my jaw is cinching down. So finally, when I'd had enough, and by had enough, I mean I hadn't had a hamburger in two weeks. <laughs> And and it was, I was, and I was struggling. I went, I, Nick San Pietro, Matt's little brother is my dentist, and I went in there and I sat down and I, he was like, well, you know, have things gotten any better? No. Have you done the exercises? No. And then my, my first words were, when can I eat a hamburger? Tell me when I can eat a hamburger. So I I say this um, to say, you know, I I don't stand up here um, as as someone who has an easy time uh, keeping anything. I neglect quite a few things. And these funny stories about my vehicles and about my mouth are also true of my heart. And so that's why, as I read this passage, I felt very um, convicted. Guard your heart. Keep your heart. This charge is for me, but I think that this charge might be for us. Have you been making the condition of your heart most important? More than all keeping, more than all guarding. What do you guard? What do you protect? What do you keep more than all guarding, more than all keeping? Keep your heart, protect your heart. But we're busy, right? We're busy keeping other things. I mean, that's my excuse. We had just had a fifth baby doing construction on a home, moving uh, the church. I'm too busy to tend to, to keep my heart. And most of us are very busy, right? Keeping your bosses happy so that you can keep your job. Keeping your kids safe and keeping your kids on task, right? Right? Keeping your facial hair out of the sink. Keeping calm and carrying on. Right? Keeping your house clean. Keeping your account from being overdrawn. Keeping your minivan running. We just keep on keeping on. And you have to hear this charge. From a father to a son. More than all keeping. Keep your heart more than all, guarding, guard your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. With all the keeping that you do, with all the keeping that you're up to, because you you got to keep on keeping on. You have to keep your heart. <coughs> I, I I just want to say something to to you, uh, parents especially. Your kids don't need another activity. They need a mom who's not consumed with bitter envy. That's what they need. Dads, your kids don't need to be provided for with material things as much as they need to be provided for by a dad who's alive on the inside and hasn't resigned in life. That's what your kids need. I want to speak about a few things out of this passage. First, I want to address what is the heart and why should we keep our hearts with all vigilance? And then I will touch on how we keep our hearts. First, uh, what is the heart? What are we guarding exactly? If we're supposed to be posting up and protecting something, what the heck are we protecting? What are we talking about when we talk about the heart? What, do, what is it, right? So when we refer to the heart, we're typically talking about our emotions, our affections, and our feelings, the Bible's definition does include this, but it's much broader than that. It's much bigger than that. So it's not just our affections, our emotions, and our feelings. There's more to it in Scripture. When the Bible talks about the heart, it's talking about what is deep inside of you. It's talking about your deepest moral and spiritual convictions, when the Bible talks about the heart, it's talking about what makes you, you. It's the center of your being. It is your essence. That's why we say things like, let's get down to the heart of the matter. It's who you really are. The Bible refers to the heart close to 900 times, depending on what translation you're reading. 900 times. 77 times in the book of Proverbs alone. It is a mega theme in a scripture. The heart in the Bible includes our minds. As a Western culture, we've separated those two, right? And the mind is what is north of the neck. And the heart is what is south. But when the Bible refers to the heart, It includes your mind. You've heard a phrase like this as you've read your Bible. The thoughts of our hearts. God saw the thoughts of their hearts. The heart includes our wills. It refers to the will. It refers to the choices that we make. The heart... And the Bible includes our emotions, so the things we feel, the things we long for, the things that we desire, the things that hurt, the things that bring us joy, that's included as well. The heart includes our personalities. When the Bible refers to the heart, it's referring to our personalities. The sum and total of who we are. That is your heart. The sum and total of who you are. It's central. Proverbs 27.19 says, As a face is reflected in water, so the heart reflects the real person. Your heart is a reflection of you. It is who you are. As your face is reflected in water and you see yourself, so the heart reflects the real person and shows you who you are, It's the exact representation of the man. who you are, or I should say, you are who you are in your heart, according to the Bible. You might know this, that the Bible refers to the heart in some negative ways, that it, you don't just have a good heart. When we're misunderstood, isn't that Well, well that wasn't my heart, OK? It wasn't my heart to yell at you. I'm sorry. That wasn't my heart. The heart is referred to in some negative ways. The most famous passage referring to the heart in a negative way is Jeremiah 17.9 that says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Some of your translations say who can know it? Well, I know he's got a good heart. The Bible says... Desperately, desperately sick. Who can know it? Who can understand it? But what's interesting is in this passage in um, Proverbs, we're being told to guard something and protect something, right? Why would we be told to guard something and protect something that is desperately sick and deceitful above all things? Well, that's not the whole picture of your heart. That is certainly part of it, but it's more than that. And the Bible also speaks about your heart in some positive ways. So to say that we should guard something or to protect something is to imply that there's something good about that thing. That there's something that we should protect, that there's more to it than this. Even Jeremiah, the prophet who spoke those words that your heart is desperately sick, also had this to say. Jeremiah 24-7, I will give them a heart to know Me, says God, that I am the Lord. They will be My people, and I will be their God, for they will return to Me with all their hearts. So that's not the whole picture. There's more to it than that. The Bible also says some really positive things about your heart. Romans 5.5 5 says that God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. Hebrews 10.22 says, Let us draw near with a true heart that we can actually have a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed pure with water. We have a heart condition, and Jesus came as the great physician to tend to that condition. We can actually, because of the work of Jesus, have a true heart. We can pursue God with a true heart. We can draw near to Him. At the same time, in your New Testament, James, the brother of Jesus, is warning Christians. People who have already asked Jesus to live in their hearts. He's warning them and saying to them in James 3.14, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. These are believers. People who have had their hearts cleansed can still be dealing with bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. Again, James warns in chapter four. Draw near to God and He'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. These are warnings to believers. These are warnings to the church. So the Bible talks about our hearts in a really negative way. The Bible talks about our hearts in a really positive way. Which one is it? Both. And. It's layered. It's complex. I wish I had time to explain it to you. Both of these things. I I want you to think of your heart like an instrument. Like an instrument that you need to tune. And it can be both in tune and out of tune. For those of you who play an instrument, you know this. Right? Our hearts are like a musical instrument. Just about the time you get it just right... Have you ever noticed this when we ask the worship team to come back up and end our service? They look down. They're tuning their instruments. Because in the short time that they've set their instruments down, walked out here to listen to a sermon, and walked back up, their guitar has gone out of tune. Just about the time that you get your guitar right. Oh, yeah, it's in tune. You leave it, bump it, or play it too hard, and then you've got to tune it again. It's constant. And that's what it's like with your heart. Right about the time you get it in tune, you walk away from it, you bump it, or you play it too hard, and you're tuning it again. And you need to understand that the proclivity or the tendency is towards going out of tune you will never walk away from your heart out of tune, walk back to it and find it in tune. That will never happen. Downstream, you will stray away from a heart that is in tune and you will have to work to paddle your butt upstream to keep your heart in tune. Sometimes it's the conditions. You know, when, we, when you... Take a guitar or an instrument, and you go into different weather conditions, it goes in and out of tune. And isn't that the truth for our hearts? We haul them in and out of these different circumstances, and if you don't pay attention, your heart will go out of tune. And let me say this part of Christian maturity is learning to pay attention to your heart and knowing whether it's in or out of tune. It's amazing to me to watch someone who's like a really good musician tune something. I mean, I used to just be amazed watching Sean tune his guitar. Forget playing it. I just would be like, man, you can tune your guitar so fast. You know, for me it was like, na-na, 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 you know, kind of... I'd watch Sean and he would just strum a chord and he would know that the A was flat. And he'd be tweaking on it without even comparing it to the string. Part of, what it, part of what it means to become a mature follower is that you know when your heart is out of tune. You can pick up on it and you know how to tend to it. You know how to tune it. You know what God's saying to you. You know how to respond. You know how to get it in harmony Again, you know how to follow Jesus into that. So why? Why be vigilant about keeping your heart? Why more than all keeping should you keep your heart? Why more than all guarding should you guard your heart? It's simple. For it is the spring of life. It is the source of life. This is an amazing picture. It really is. The idea, the picture that we get here, is that your life is a river that flows and reaches out to touch and impact people. And the source of that river is your heart. And whatever is at the source will flow from the source to reach and impact people. It's not just farmers, we're all praying for snow. Not just rain, we need a snowpack Because we know that when that, th- when that stuff melts, it flows. And when it flows, it reaches out to bring life. It reaches out and it has an impact on our valley. If there is bitterness in your heart at the source, it will flow from your life and it will reach and impact others. Even if you don't talk about it, it will flow from your life. It will be contaminated at the source. It will flow from your life, and it will have an impact on the people that you connect with. That's why you should keep your heart. If you're worried, if you're given over to fear, and there's fear at the source, it will flow from your life, and it will reach an impact, for better or for worse, the people that you're around. If there's self-pity in your heart, it will flow from your life, and it will reach and have an effect on the people around you. Likewise, it's not just negative things, because we've all experienced this, right? Someone talks to you, and they've got self-pity at the source, and you're just like, yeah, man, that reached, had an impact on me, and I want to take a shower after having a conversation with that person. I don't know what reached out and touched me, but I don't want anything to do with that. We've been impacted by fear. We've been impacted by people's anger flowing from their hearts. But it's not just the negative stuff. We've also been impacted by people who trust God with all their hearts. And it flows from their life, and it has an impact on you. It brings life. We've been impacted by people who love the Lord their God with all their hearts. And things flow from their heart, and the river of their life has an impact on us. You've experienced both of those things. If you have an unbelieving heart, it reaches out and has an impact on the people around you. And if you have a faith filled heart, it has an impact. You should be vigilant about keeping your heart because it's the source. And from it flow the issues of life. It's not just that it has an impact on others. That's not the, the, the only reason you should keep your heart is not because if you're bitter, it's going to have an impact on somebody. You should keep your heart because the state of your heart is important to God. The state or the condition of your heart is important to God. The eyes of the Lord, says 2 Chronicles 16, search the whole earth. Looking for what, you might ask? Looking to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to Him. He's searching for hearts that are fully committed to Him. To him, but he's not just searching for hearts, he's searching our hearts. You've experienced this, am I right? He's not just looking for hearts, he's looking into our hearts. Sometimes that's a little bit painful. Blessed are the pure in heart because they're gonna see God, God's gonna reveal himself, show himself to those that are pure in heart. God tests the heart, right? Things show up in our lives because God's testing our hearts. It exposes what's in our hearts. It exposes what we want, what we desire. If you guys remember this, but, but Saul, he was king of Israel. You know this guy, uh, Saul? King of Israel. And then uh, he got replaced. He got fired by the prophet. God didn't want him as king uh, any longer and god wanted what what who who did saul lose his position to when god finally said hey look i'm done with you saul as king i'm gonna put this guy in who was described after as a man after god's own heart when david was chosen the lord said to samuel the prophet don't look at his appearance Or on the height of his stature, because I've rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. You should keep your heart because the things that are in it flow from it and have an impact on others. You should keep your heart with all vigilance because God cares about it. He's searching your heart. He's searching for hearts that are fully committed. How do you keep your heart? How do you keep your heart? Let me ask you a question. How do you keep anything? I mean, really, anything. Cars. How do you keep up on your hygiene? How do you keep something? Well, I think one of the things that happens is that you decide that something's valuable. You decide that something's worth keeping. And I'm not sure that some of you know how valuable your heart is and the impact that it has on others. You have to decide that it's valuable. You have to decide that other things can be neglected, but I'm not going to neglect my heart, which is a very difficult decision. You have to decide that the heart is the most important thing to keep, which may mean that you need to to neglect some other really good things. What do you give your time to? What are you really careful with? What do you guard? For Mark, it's his truck. What do you guard? What's really important? Some of you, I mean, do you watch your bank account? Just making sure that nothing out of the ordinary happened. What do you guard? What do you protect? What do you keep? We just moved. And it's funny to watch the way some things are treated and the way other things get treated. And that's based on how valuable they are to us. So some things rode the bus. They got thrown into the U-Haul because who cares? And then other things got boxed like this. A box of its own, for starters. And I can't even shake what's in here, because it's been packed so well. Tiff's favorite vintage lamp. Fragile tape. Fragile, written much bigger than that. Do not, underline the not, stack on this. This did not ride in the U-Haul with everything else this rode in Tiff's vehicle because she wasn't going to allow some meathead to pack this up in the U-Haul. This got chauffeured to our new home and doesn't stay in our garage. This actually stays in the rooms. What do you guard? What do you protect? What do you keep? What's valuable to you? What's important to you? Your heart is very important. It shouldn't be tossed in the garage like everything else. If you're not in the habit of packing your heart like this, you should get in the habit of packing your heart like this. I lived in the country growing up. There's a hill behind our house on a couple of occasions. That hill caught on fire. And the game, you know, the name of the game became grab what you can and get out of the house. And so you've got two arms, and what you get to carry um, is what those two arms can carry. And so it's funny to watch my whole family pick the things that are most valuable to them. (laughs) I was in high school, you know, so I grabbed my snowboard and my guitar, and I went out onto the road to watch the hill burn. My mom is like, get the photo albums. And my mom is crazy about pictures, and yeah, that thing weighed 500 pounds, that cabinet with photo albums, you know? What's important to you? What's valuable to you? Is your heart that important? Do you keep it? One last thing I, I want to remind you, I guess um, I, I want you to stop blaming and start investigating. Stop blaming. Heed Jesus' words to you and stop blaming and start investigating. All right? Let's pretend like it's what comes out of your heart that defiles you and not what's in and around you or the circumstances that surround you. What if it's not them? I'm just asking. What if it's in you? How come water came out of this? Just answer it to yourself. Don't answer it out loud. How come water is coming out of this? Let me ask it again. How come water, water is coming out of this? Initially, we all watch something like this go down, and we think to ourselves, because you shook it, stop shaking it, and the water won't come out of it. Do you know how much we paid for these floors? Do you know how much that wireless mic is? Do you know how much Jared spends on hair product? How come, how come water comes out of this? Well, it's because you shook it. No, it's because there's water in it. That's why water came out of it and not pink lemonade. If pink lemonade was in it, pink lemonade would come out of it. And if chocolate milk was in it, chocolate milk would come out of it. The reason that water is coming out of this is because there's water in this. And so often we think to ourselves, well, it's because I'm getting bumped that something's coming out of me. What if it was just, just consider this. What if it was impossible for something to come out of you that wasn't first in you? And what if it wasn't the bump's fault? What if it wasn't the sheikh's fault that it came out? Stop blaming and start investigating. What if it's not her low cut shirt? What if it's not that you were cut off? What if it's not that you were misunderstood? What if nothing could come from your life that wasn't first in your life? That you didn't already have a condition? That you weren't already dealing with anger. That you weren't already dealing with pink lemonade. That you weren't already dealing with milk. What if milk comes out because milk was in it? Stop blaming the things that bump your life and start investigating what's at the heart. What's in you? Well, if they wouldn't have. Look what you made me do. Look what you made me do. I was fine. It was all good. And now I'm pissed. And it's you. You've done this to me. What if nothing could come out of you that wasn't first in you? Worship team, would you guys come? We're going to make some time here on Sundays for the next five weeks. And we're going to try, I'm going to attempt the best I know how to help you keep your heart with all vigilance. We're going to make time on Wednesday nights for you to investigate what's inside. Come, worship, pray, ask God, what's going on in my heart when I respond like this? Each week... There'll be an opportunity to receive prayer because Jesus wants to help you, wants to give you, wants to serve you, wants to put in you a new heart. He wants to change your heart. As the great physician, he doesn't just give you, right? um, He doesn't just give you a description of what's going on. What's that called? Why is this not working? Why is my sermon not working? <laughs> a diagnosis. As a great physician, he just doesn't diagnose the problem. He writes prescriptions as well. He just doesn't reveal things and then leave you to deal with things. He wants to put a spirit in you, help you to deal with what's coming up. Each week, there'll be prayer We're going to talk about the bitterness and the unforgiveness that is flowing from your heart to impact others. We're going to talk about worry and how it flows from your heart and not from the circumstances around you. We're going to talk about an unbelieving heart and the impact that that has. We're going to talk about what it means to trust the Lord with all your heart. And we're going to talk about what it means to love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. Would you stand with me? I'm going to pray, and we're going to worship our way out of here. How many, how many of you, I just want to ask, would, is, this just, is this just for me? Am I the only one? Because we could stop this series. I could go back to the other one. Or do you want to address what's going on at the heart? I'll tell you right now, it's going to take some courage. It's easy to keep blaming people. I'd love to read this promise over you and, and, and pray and then we'll worship. Ezekiel 36, 26-28 And I You shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers, and you shall be my people, and I will be your God. Father, we're not after just good behavior. We want to follow you from an obedient heart. Would you do what only you can do? God, we can change the way that we behave. We cannot change our hearts. We're powerless to change our hearts. Come, Holy Spirit, and do that. Come do that. Give us new hearts. We're sick of what this one's pumping out. Give us a new spirit within us. Remove the hard-heartedness, the numbness. Put heart of flesh within us. I want to ask you that you would go to the root of the problem, that we wouldn't just chase fruit sins, but we would get to the root of the sin in our lives. Reveal things to us, God. Open the eyes of our hearts. Whatever that means, do that. Show us what's really going on. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. We want to be a resource for you as you walk with Jesus. So please connect with us at radiantbycelia.com. Until next time. There is a heavenly city That I'm compelled to find Though I love the flowers and trees And the smell of the grinding sea And all the beautiful things here in life I